0: Okay. You, All right. Uh, hey everyone.
1: Welcome uh,
0: to another episode of Something About Web Three. Wait, Still can you on Kazuaki.
1: Wait, can you mute your microphone on uh, Google Hangout?
0: I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just muted. Was I echoing?
1: Okay. No, 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 it sounds bad. Yep.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So now Google Hangouts is saying, are you talking? Your mic is off. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Google. <laughs> anyway, okay. yes, welcome back to another episode. My name is Dan Lippert. I'm here with Kazuaki Ishiguro. Hey. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the first two episodes. This is the third episode of Something About Web 3. I um, we haven't come up with a better name yet, but... <laughs> Appreciate everyone who's listening, Um, and I think we're probably stuck with the name. That being said, we are much more prepared this week. Uh, We've been compiling some interesting stories to talk about, and we'll kick it off. Actually, you know what? Here, here's what I'll do. I'll share a preview of what we're going to talk about. Does that sound good? Yeah. That seems like something podcasts do, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So... Talk about a uh, story from TechCrunch this week. Will Apple build its own blockchain in order to kind of retain some of its walled garden? We'll talk about what's happening with Elon Musk and Twitter. I'm sure everyone's tired of hearing about it, but we'll have some spicy takes for you. Um, Also going to talk about kind of NFT hype at the Grammys and music NFTs in general. Also, Japan's possibly number one um, all-in-one type of app, a la Facebook or WhatsApp. I don't know what other apps people use for this type of thing. Uh, Line has added an NFT marketplace, and there's been a lot of stories in Western media about that. But Kazuaki has some insights, I think, as to why it's not all that it's hyped up to be. And then uh, we'll talk about some loan platforms in DeFi and some strategies, some new new platforms, why you'd want to be involved. So uh, hopefully that something in there interests you and you aren't turning off the podcast right now. So <laughs> that said, um, Kazuaki, what is up with Apple's uh, plans for blockchain?
1: Um yeah, uh if you take a look at the TechCrunch uh post and uh app, he, the the article saying uh Apple is going to build their own blockchain or specifically uh the blockchain will be for NFT platform, obviously, but um yeah. I was wondering what's gonna happen if Apple built their own blockchains and probably uh, they might going to use it for their gaming platform. And uh, also, I'm not really sure um, what, what the other use cases for them.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this article starts off talking about Axie Infinity, which I think there was news yesterday that the quote-unquote hackers have been quote-unquote identified as North Korean state-affiliated hacking team, I think called Lazarus or something like that. Um, and basically what happened there was there is a side chain of Ethereum called Ronin that was being used by Axie Infinity, to, which is an NFT-based game. The reason that they're using a sidechain is obviously on Ethereum. It's very expensive to be doing a lot of small transactions, which is what you'd want to do in an NFT-based game. Uh, so they built their own sidechain called Ronin, which was kind of a proof-of-authority type of sidechain that was managed by a DAO. Um, and somehow this hacking group got control of the DAO, I believe through legit, legitimate or semi-legitimate means of you know, just... Buying tokens or whatever—I don't really know the story, but as far as I know, it wasn't a hack. Um, and then at some point, the developers behind that let left some sort of security hole open to whoever controlled the DAO would be able to uh, kind of drain drain the side chain. So that's what happened with Axie Infinity. Um, and so. You know the 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 leads a question like if you're going to have NFT based gaming, which all the game companies are saying that they're in favor of, and of course they are because there's a huge revenue stream there. Um, Axie Infinity was hacked for six hundred and fifty million dollars, so massive revenue stream there. Um, If you're going to have NFT gaming, it looks like you're going to want sidechains or some sort of alternative chain. And so does it make sense for Apple, who's basically a major game distributor at this point, for their own chain. Uh, Apple is famous for wanting to retain as much power as possible. And so this would allow them to do that and allow them to do things like they like to do, which is take 30% of everyone's money for using the Apple (laughs) app, They don't want to give that up, so... Um, I guess the Apple had just banned an NFT app that was on the Apple App Store, but it was basically as much of an NFT as the line NFTs apparently are, which we'll talk about later. Um, But there is an OpenSea app and things like that on the App Store, I believe, so... Mm. You can't you can't buy anything. And of course, also there's MetaMask and, and apps like that on, on the Apple App Store, right? So, and Apple has no way for them to be taking 30% of what you're doing there. So, and why would they? I mean, they don't take 30% of your Robinhood account, right? So, <laughs> so there's, there's kind of limits to what Apple can reasonably right. do here. But right. uh, if they had their own chain and then they kind of enabled in the iOS SDK or whatever whatever it is that they use for uh, game development. Mm. If they had something that they could could basically tell their developers, hey, you got to use this if you're going to do NFT stuff and that could have something built into it. So I don't know. I mean, does Apple... A, is Apple willing to put themselves at risk of things like the sec and things like that to be involved in blockchain. And then B they have the competence and culture to support blockchain efforts. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I still don't know if, you know, Apple joining the blockchain space makes sense for Apple because yeah. they only have like, you know, like one big platform, which is like iOS platform. And, it, you know, the the application for iOS cannot always use at the hundred. So like um, the user won't, don't have any interoperability between apple and uh android at this point so why yeah pe- people using apple blockchain
0: that Does it, things, yeah. doesn't really make sense it doesn't make sense from the user perspective obviously right. that makes sense from apple's perspective as something they would like to do which is logic yeah. but if they if they had a blockchain you would think they would have to let android apps access. yeah
1: yeah that, that's my point that's my point and then, like yeah so, so at this point i when i first saw this article it just feel like apple just trying to use a, a marketing buzzword called NFT yeah. or blockchain itself.
0: So. yeah yeah that's a good that's a good point it's a good point for sure i think it's quite risky as well because they're already in a lot of legal trouble, you know, f- with Epic suing them. Yeah, yeah. Epic basically suing them, obviously for their own self-interest with Fortnite, but also it's in the interest of the greater user base who wants to have that kind of cross-platform capabilities, um, which is basically what app or what Epic was suing Apple over. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough, but I do have to ask myself when I see an article like this and uh, this person, Lucas Matney, who's co-host of the Chain Reaction podcast, apparently I haven't taken a listen to that. I'll take a listen. Um, but like, why, why did they write this article? And right. where did it come right. from, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the type of thing that kind of seems like a bit of a weather balloon in terms yeah. of uh, Apple wanting to know what people might think about them launching a blockchain. Obviously, mm. it's not a sponsored post or anything. I don't see anything right. like that here, but it, right. it is interesting. Mm. Um,
1: that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But who knows? Maybe I'm just jaded. I'll have to listen to their podcast and, and see what's up. Mm. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't heard of that before. Chain Reaction Podcast. Um, yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. I would like to see more companies get involved in crypto. I feel like Apple is maybe a little bit behind when it comes to any kind of That's acknowledgement true. of crypto. Um, That's true. I mean, if you look at mobile phone manufacturers, Samsung has been like much more forward in terms of them talking about crypto and crypto integrations with their devices. Yeah. Um, I never hear anything about, I never hear Apple talk about it, which is surprising because I hear, I hear well, this kind of leads into um, our next story. About Elon Musk but obviously like Elon Musk has a, has a long history with Apple in terms of Twitter and how tightly Integrated Twitter has been with with Apple over the years I think since the very beginning I've always thought of them as like pretty tight partners I think Twitter was one of the first like um, App integrations that was deep in the OS itself um, In terms of iOS so and obviously Twitter, Jack Dorsey won't stop talking about crypto at this point. Right. Yep. So I don't know. I'm kind of surprised everyone, everyone seems to be talking more and more about crypto except for Apple, but maybe this Mm -hmm. is, this is the beginning of that. So yeah. Um, anyway, talking about Twitter, Elon Musk this week attempted a hostile takeover of Twitter. Um, we're recording this on Friday, Japan time. So, you know, Thursday evening, U.S. time, I think. And the latest I've heard is that it's been rejected by the um, Saudi prince. <laughs> I don't oh my know if actually true, but the, <laughs> that Saudi prince that always used to get into Twitter fights with Donald Trump has apparently mm. come out <laughs> against this takeover. <laughs> and, and he's a major shareholder of Twitter which I don't know if a lot of people know that mm. the Saudi Royal family owns a significant portion of Twitter. Yeah. Um, so Kazwaki, why does Elon Musk want to buy Twitter? Like what's going on here? What is the point? Well, um, I don't know.
1: I don't know exactly, but uh, the first uh, thoughts come up, came up to my mind was Elon is pretty passionate about, he's been pretty passionate about open source and the open voice and the freedom mm. of speech. And then- That's true. The latest article that I read, uh, it's, a, it's in a Yahoo Japan article, but he was saying that he wants to open source the algorithm behind the Twitter uh, mm. um, and then make it like, I don't know, open source it and so that people could know uh, what is going on and then what kind of uh, AI model is running behind the Twitter. Yeah. So that there, there will be no manipulations. And I mean, like he, he's been doing that for a long time at any industries, like SpaceX have an open source project and Tesla also has an open source project. Yeah, and it's like he, he's he been working on open ai project he's been doing that for a long time so uh what he wants to do is like i don't know like make a twitter open source per- probably maybe yeah that's what i thought at I, I, I one perspective
0: i think i think you have a very um positive impression of elon musk yeah. I'll, I'll provide maybe a more <laughs> negative one. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's do it. Which is that? Um, well, two things. One, I would say like Tesla as a product is not really that open, right? Like yeah, the car itself, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever software they write and things like that being open source is great. Yeah, but but as an end user, and I don't own a Tesla, uh, but from what i understand there's all kinds of drm dlc to make the car faster things like that and if you if you if you buy a tesla and then you pay the money to unlock the high speed mode or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. and you sell your car to someone else they they have to rebuy that dlc right the car like locks itself again kind of like a playstation right if you if you, mm-hmm. if you yeah, have a playstation yeah. and you buy um elden ring and then you sell your playstation to someone else they're going to have to rebuy elden ring right because they have to have their own playstation account yeah. and stuff yeah so it's kind of like that um so but whatever i mean i don't who knows right i mean i don't know elon musk but but right. just judging from that product i think mm-hmm. there's some um, anti consumer practices there but they're not they're not that different from the rest of the industry. So I'm not gonna mm. I'm not gonna say that's necessarily just Tesla's fault. Yeah but one one thing I will say is that I do think Elon Musk has realized how powerful his Twitter account is, yeah, and is trying to monetize that. And so mm. by him buying a nine percent stake in Twitter, then and then Twitter. I saw there was there was uh, guidance from Goldman Sachs and a report they previously issued saying that their target for Twitter was thirty dollars, mm. right? Yeah. Then Elon Musk issuing a takeover proposal for fifty something dollars, yeah, causing the Twitter price, Twitter stock price. I think is let's stick it out. What is the Twitter stock price today? Uh, forty five dollars it's down 70 cents. So, yeah. trying to pump that stock that he bought 9% of, just like mm. he did with Dogecoin and yeah. you know, all other yeah. kind of things. Um I think he just realized like he could monetize his Twitter by manipulating markets, something that he's been in trouble for before, right?
1: With the <laughs> SEC
0: and, and things yeah, like yeah. that about making all kinds yeah. of public statements. So, maybe he's found a loophole here where mm-hmm. he can essentially take an interest in a company, make some public statements that are not necessarily regarding the price of the asset or something like that, but make these moves to do hostile takeover or whatever. Um, and, and control the markets that way. So that's kind of, that's my impression of what's happening. Yeah. Um, I, I
1: guess um, there's a like guy behind Elon, like, financial advisor or something and then like tell him what to do using a Twitter you think so yeah who is that it? That, that, that was exactly happening when Dogecoin uh bubble came up
0: oh yeah
1: yeah uh, I think the chief financial officer from Tesla
0: oh okay who's that yeah. uh, let me zach kirkhorn
1: probably yeah
0: he's in march 2021 he was given the title master of coin within tesla oh, yeah. reference to game of thrones well that yeah. is pretty interesting master yeah. of coin he's called right? that on tesla.com <laughs> zach is the master of coin wow this is the this is the cutting edge journalism you'll only find at something about web3 podcast yeah <laughs> thank, thank you kazuaki that is quite interesting that is <laughs> yeah. extremely interesting master of coin that can't be master a of coincidence coin, right <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that
0: is so, yeah. interesting
1: he, he, he suggested just Elon to tweet about shiba coin and wow
0: about,
1: but you know huge large amount of coin, and they <laughs> hey you, you can pump a dump by yourself just using a twitter and then that yeah. makes uh you know that brings a cash through the Tesla. Whoa.
0: My mind is blown.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. I love that. I love that.
1: (laughs) Right? All right.
0: Well I think I think I think there's definitely something to that. I think someone should uh someone who's actually a journalist should investigate. (laughs) Um Wow. So yeah, yeah, I think I think he's definitely up to his old pump and dump tricks mm, with this Twitter yeah. stuff. Um, but I do have to wonder and and I I remember Jack Dorsey talking a lot about this back when um he was being hauled before Congress on those Zoom calls yeah. with Mark Zuckerberg and everything like that. And and Jack Dorsey looked like he was you know just got home from Burning Man or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah, 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 um, you could tell he's like totally, it seems like he's just totally disgusted by what he did in creating <laughs> Twitter, right? Yeah. Um, and he wants nothing to do with it now. All he does is talk about Bitcoin, which is awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: um, obviously, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack Dorsey created um Cash App. Is that true? One mm-hmm. of those payment platforms, right? Square? Which one is it? A oh, Square, that's right. Square. Yeah. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, oh, Square owns Cash App. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, so, yeah, he's big on payments. Um, and I remember him talking a lot about a crypto and blockchain version of Twitter. At that time. Now, I haven't heard much about it since then. And I remember him saying that people at Twitter were working on it. I have in the past used sites like Steemit and other blockchain based social media apps. Um, But how come no one's come out with something like that yet? I mean, to me, it seems smart or obvious that we would have some sort of blockchain based social media.
1: Right.
0: Why doesn't that exist yet? Someone someone uh, needs to create it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Someone has to I mean, do, I guess right?
0: Steemit exists and, and and the one thing that I've seen with these apps is that they quickly become obsessed with whatever the monetization of the platform consists of, people become obsessed with trying to exploit that, right? Mm. Um so I remember with Steemit, there were all these all these platforms and apps you could use to like basically pump other people's posts on Steemit and then they would pump your post. And it was kind of this big like circular bribe thing to try to exact, extract as much value from Steemit as possible with your posts, you know, very, very strange type of thing. Um, but anyway, I would like to see something that's more focused on, Maybe the censor, censorship resistance or, or whatever.
1: Right. Mm. Uh,
0: but maybe that's just me. If someone knows of something like that, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's that's Elon Musk. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, master of coin. That's, that's my big <laughs> takeaway. People <laughs> need to look into this guy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people <laughs> already have. Um, well, but I'm, I'm interested. Now I want to learn more. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to talk about... Well, this is kind of an NFT-heavy uh, episode. But the Grammys happened recently. Obviously, the big, big music awards show. And apparently, there's a lot of talk of NFTs. But music nfts i think now and it's been this way for a little while they have a bad reputation in that no one is interested in buying them (laughs) and it's kind of like the um redheaded stepchild to use a terrible phrase i think that's the right type of (laughs) phrase for this but it's like the 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 forgotten child of 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 nfts is music nfts mm. um i've played around with music nfts personally i've bought some i own some just because i like the artist or i like the record label or whatever uh, and for me i think it's quite cool and actually i've gotten like quite a bit of utility you know exclusive downloads um exclusive mixes exclusive events online concerts that type of thing i've done all that stuff and i've paid less than it would cost if these were like you know real life events and real life products just buying them um so i've gotten a lot of value out of it it, but it just doesn't seem to be much demand for for music nfts versus the visual art i don't know what why do you think this is i've been trying to figure it out myself and I just don't have any kind of answer what do you think kazuaki you're um, i mean you're a big music fan um yeah, jade yeah. in the past and things like that so mm-hmm. what's your take on music um, nfts
1: i don't know to be honest because um we're well, using nft for like membership is a great idea but mm-hmm. a lot of people get confused music nft is the music the da- the music data itself does yeah. that make sense? Like, um, if if Token Holder has a download rights, and then what happened to the downloaded music can we restri- redistribute it or stuff like that? And then if it happens, like, what's the uh, uh, ha- how your NFT value goes up? Or, like, um, true. Yeah, it, it, so, a lot of people get confused, and I get confused
0: as well. Well, so you're saying that someone could right click, save your music NFT, yeah, and listen yeah. to the music for free, mm-hmm. but that's all that's true for visual art, that's true for Bored Apes, well. right? You, you don't get anything other than that membership um, for Bored Apes, right?
1: Um,
0: so why doesn't that extend to music? Right. If you could just right click um, save music.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I mean it's all on IPFS. None of it's actually on the mm-hmm. chain. It's all stored in some other decentralized layer. So some decentralized protocol. So it's not like it's not like the access is restricted, although I you know, for the NFT projects that I have been involved in. There have been some pretty cool platforms where like I log in with my wallet, the wallet, you know, the site sees that I have the NFT and it lets me into the concert or whatever. Um, so that's that's been quite cool. And one other thing that I think is interesting in this story is that um, people like Gary V, love him or hate him, obviously he's big into NFTs. And even people that I see who are extremely critical of NFTs, like the Twitch streamer Asmongold, who's like a World of Warcraft streamer, but he's extremely anti-NFTs. Um, they, for some reason, there's this talking point that everyone sees NFTs being an acceptable use case for concert tickets. Mm. Because there's this concept of, and people have done this for decades you go to a concert, you get this ticket, and they tear the ticket stub when you go into the event and they give it back to you. And then people like to collect those ticket stubs for these famous concerts, right? Right, right. Like if you have a ticket stub for a Rolling Stones concert, that's worth a lot of money. Hmm. Why is it worth a lot of money? I have no idea. It's just a piece of paper that it doesn't get you anything, but it's a piece of paper, right? It's some collectible item for that band, And everyone for decades now has accepted that that is something that's very valuable. And so even people who are hypercritical of NFTs say, or you could take that paper ticket stub that's highly collectible and you could make that an NFT. And that seems cool to people. Even people who hate NFTs, that still seems cool. Why is that?
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: There's something about the collectible nature of ticket yeah. stubs that everybody seems to understand as cool. And right. if you're a collector of it, or if you're not a collector of it, you can still see why people are interested in that. And so somehow that makes people understand something about NFTs as a collectible. You know. Right. I can right click save someone's ticket stub. Like if there's a famous concert, I could go online and I could google what the ticket stub looks like and I could save that to my computer. Mm. Woohoo. No one's going to buy that image from me. Anyone can go get that for free. But that but the real ticket stub is still worth a lot of money. Right. And and people understand that and people don't necessarily question that. So mm. There's something there, I think, about music NFTs combining with, like, a POAP. Uh, POAP right. is, like, a, kind of a ticket stub NFT type of thing, showing that you were at an event or you took part in some event. protocol um, of attendance? Yes, proof of attendance protocol. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. There's something here. People are getting very close. I think there could be a breakthrough with music NFTs just because there is this widespread understanding of ticket stub collecting. Mm -hmm. As strange as that sounds, and as small of a niche as that is, it has wide cultural acceptance. And so I think that's really important. And people do that here in Japan too, right? People collect... Tickets for events and things like that?
1: Oh, yeah. A lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been buying tickets from the 1970 World's Expo, World's Fair, that happened in Osaka. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of them that I've collected. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, the next World's Fair is in Osaka in 2025. And yeah. I'm really excited to go. Mm. Um, but anyway, I... There's an event here called Design Festa that I go to. I try to go to every year, and there's always a vendor there who is selling memorabilia from the 1970 World's Fair. And I always go and pick up for – they're not expensive. It's like $10 to $20, different ticket stubs and things from the attractions at the World's Fair. I don't know why I do it. I just think it seems cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. And I can't I can't really flex on people. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to flex on people right now with this podcast, talk about how much cool crap I've collected from the World's Fair. I don't know if it's working, but other than that, I don't really have an opportunity to to like show people this or talk about it, but I still do it. So um that collectibleness. There's something hmm. people understand about collecting dumb crap.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah like sure. uh t- ticket stubs or coins or stamps or maybe even nfts in your line app mm. huh is that a good segue into the next topic?
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made a very smooth transition Oh,
0: thank you, thank yeah. you. I'm getting good at this so <laughs> so. Do you want to tell people a little bit what is LINE if people are not familiar with it and why is it so important here in Japan?
1: Uh, LINE is the messaging app. uh, Really big in Japan. But interestingly, originally from uh, South Korea. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why, but it's really big in Japan. And... Taiwan and Thailand at the same time.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: And people in South Korea don't even use Line anymore. They use a yeah. uh, different uh, message app called Kakao Talk. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and then since uh, Line has a lot of uh, devs and marketing and business devs here in Japan, and then they have like, Huge research teams, and then they started, I think, like, uh, 20, later 2019 or something, they started their own blockchain called LINE blockchain platform. Mm -hmm. And then first people don't really care about them. And then now uh, Square Enix started doing their own NFT on the Line LINE blockchain. And, uh, the coin tagraph said, uh, it's a huge, uh, uh comedian. Uh, they joined, mm-hmm. they start doing the NFT on the line NFT blockchain.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm not really sure why it's getting bigger, but yeah. A lot of of company here in Japan try to do their NFT project using Line.
0: Mm. And so Line, if you've never used it before, I think you can think of it as a combination of instant messaging like uh, WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. But It's also a payments platform. So a lot of people use it to pay for things, right?
1: Yep.
0: Um, And then also like every business and every celebrity in Japan basically has some sort of line account that you can either like utilize their services or you can get updates about the celebrity or whoever by adding them as a line friend. Um, Yeah. And there's all kinds of chatbots like, and so here's a crazy example and, and, Kazuaki, you won't think this is crazy, but people in America will think this is crazy. There's a mm-hmm. Line app for a delivery service here. Yeah. That does a lot of the deliveries, though know, Amazon mm-hmm. or whoever. And so, if you're expecting a package, you can you can add this Line friend for this delivery company. Oh yeah. And they'll update you. Oh, your package is coming. Uh, we're we're about to deliver it to your house. And if you're not at home, you can message them on the line for it and say, oh, don't deliver it, you know, deliver it in three hours or whatever, and then they'll come back later and all this stuff, right? You can like basically talk to the delivery company through the app, which is quite cool.
1: Right.
0: It's like it's like they have their own little app within line that you can use. And so there's Hmm. tons of these. There's tons of these for everything. Um and so one of the ways that line has monetized in the past is through stickers, right? You would buy right. these sticker packs that you could use when you're talking to your friends and you could post these cute stickers of Hello Kitty or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But you had to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And people would collect those, right? Um, yeah. But you couldn't you couldn't sell them to someone else or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like if I bought the Hello Kitty sticker pack I couldn't, I couldn't sell it to someone else after I'm done using it. I think the NFT thing kind of is an extension of that almost.
1: Right. Where,
0: where they can monetize these types of digital content in a more modern way that has more upside, I think. Because the sticker packs would cost like a dollar or five dollars, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, NFTs can cost a lot more than five dollars. So... Yeah. So I think that is is quite attractive for them as well. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, and also like I have a friend who worked at Line before, and then he said, "Uh, other another big monetization business for for Line is also the Line Manga. They they uh, own yes. the manga platform. Yes. They, uh, it's it's kind of like an Amazon Kindle."
0: Yeah. yeah, so you could read comics through the Line app
1: mm-hmm.
0: which, which I see people doing on the train all the time yeah. reading comics on their phone and I saw that in this NFT marketplace it wasn't only just little cartoons or, or images but there were movies and things like that that they were selling as NFTs mm-hmm. which is quite interesting little short movies or whatever that you could watch on your phone um, so all that sounds really cool, but you said there's a core problem here, which is that people don't under people don't I don't know if it's a lack of understanding or if it's a lack of transparency from the company, but people don't necessarily trust the line blockchain to be a real blockchain. Is that true right
1: yeah, it, it's uh I think it's both like the people who are using a line blockchain doesn't care about. The, the transparency of blockchain,
0: yeah
1: and also, Line doesn't open uh, their platform to the end users.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like basically what Apple would build <laughs> as a blockchain. Mm.
1: Yeah,
0: something that is a blockchain in name only, but is not maybe that open and can't be used outside of their platform. Um. But, I mean, it's a step forward, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and 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 I will say, like, people in Japan seem to be pretty into the idea of NFTs. I, I see more and more people talking about NFTs. I see more and more mainstream news articles about it. And I think it really appeals to that instinct of people who like collecting things mm. to have a digital product like this. Right and maybe that's something that people don't really understand about NFTs is that there is something about the digital scarcity that appeals to some types of people. And, and, and if you don't like NFTs, it's, it, it just doesn't appeal to you, but you probably don't collect baseball cards or Pokemon or retro video games, or I don't know what else do people collect? Uh, <laughs> uh Dolly Parton commemorative plates. By the way, Dolly Parton also releasing an NFT line. So oh. so, yeah. so if you're not interested in that kind of stuff, I mean maybe it's just not for you and right, you don't get it. But right. but the otaku out there who like to collect, um, this is this is kind of this is quite cool, I think, right? Mm. NFTs in yeah. general. It's like very appealing. So um I don't know. You just have to have that mindset, a collector mindset,
1: mm. and I
0: think a lot of people in Japan have it, especially those who are, or otaku. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but if you're more of a, um, uh, what was that lady who was telling everyone to throw all their stuff in the garbage? Marie, Marie uh, Kondo. Something
1: Kondo. Like that? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. If you're more of that type of person probably nfts probably don't spark joy so maybe skip it and and just focus well skip nfts and uh what's that
1: well uh, well i was gonna say like a really stupid thing like if you throw away you get the nft (laughs) oh there
0: you go (laughs) oh yeah
1: Yeah. as a reward token okay yeah
0: so throw away your old shirt
1: and then you but to- take a
0: picture of your old shirt and put it on the blockchain known as NFT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it can spark joy for you forever. <laughs> I like it.
1: Yeah.
0: I like it. Um, um, yeah. but, but anyway, if you're not interested <laughs> in NFTs, uh, we're, done, we're done talking about NFTs for today. What you should yeah. be interested in is DeFi, right? Yep. Uh, you want to stay 100% liquid. You don't want to deal with any kind of weird monkey art. <laughs> so, so just focus on DeFi, and I wanted to talk real quick about two projects that I had seen. One is Granary Finance on FTM, um, which I had been hearing a lot about, but it is basically just a fork of Ave. They say they've made some improvements to the gas utilization. It's Ave V two. Already Ave V three is available on Phantom. So. You have to ask yourself why you'd want to use this, but I just did want to mention it because I had heard that they are doing snapshots for an upcoming airdrop. So if you're interested in that type of thing, you may want to check out Granary Finance. I should probably say more often that this show is not financial advice, but um, it's just us sharing our thoughts. But anyway, so um, Granary Finance, um, you can check it out. And also, there's another lending platform on Phantom coming soon to uh, other platforms called Sturdy Finance. Um, Sturdy Finance is a kind of a new paradigm. It's not, it's not a fork of anything as far as I know um, in terms of the protocol itself. But it is a um, platform that lets you deposit uh, volatile assets like Phantom or Beats or ETH or whatever and borrow stable coins against it. And then there's no uh, fee for borrowing whatsoever. And you can also stake your stable coins. And so the APYs for staking stable coins on Sturdy are quite high. So I just wanted to mention that. And also they do not have a token. Uh, I don't know if they'll be doing an airdrop. I think they might be doing a POAP or NFT for people who utilize the platform. So maybe check out their Discord for all of the rumors about that. But currently offering 15% APY on stable coins, which is quite good. So you check them out as well. Um, Kazuaki, do you use lending platforms like this at all for your DeFi no. setups?
1: Uh, I, never, I never borrow token using a lending platform. But uh, the one thing I I want to ask about Sturdy Finance is how does it work 0% APY? I mean, 0% borrow APY? Yeah. Yeah. How how does does that work? work? How does it work?
0: So so with all of these DeFi platforms, no one's going to lend you something without you depositing something of your own first right you need you need to collateralize your own loans unlike Mm -hmm. the traditional banking world where you could potentially just get a loan for a house or something without having to put up any collateral right because it's backed by the government and it's backed by this concept of everyone's using the bank and and it's in the public interest for the Federal Reserve to be making all this credit available, right? <laughs> None of that exists in DeFi, right? There's no Federal Reserve. right? So, so you need to put up collateral before you can borrow something. Hmm. And so if I put up a million dollars worth of collateral, I mean, why wouldn't a site then let me borrow $750,000 back? They already have my million dollars, right? Hmm. So they don't necessarily need to charge me a fee on top of that. But traditionally, sites like Ave and, and platforms like that have had this kind of two-sided market of lenders and borrowers, right? And so for a given asset, there's some delta in terms of the interest rate that they're charging. So maybe they'll give you a 7% APY on DAI. But to borrow die costs a 10% APY, and so that delta of 3% is how the platform makes money, right? Hmm. Traditionally, with things like Aave or whatever. Yeah. It costs more to borrow than it than it would to collateralize. Um, or, or how much you would earn from, from de- a deposit, basically, in terms of interest. Sturdy so so if you go to Granary, for example, which is an Aave for, it, I can just go there right now. I can look at the markets and I can see the deposit APY for USDT is 8% and the borrow APY is 12%. So there's a, or 11.5%. So there's a 3.5% difference that that's how that site makes money, right? Obviously, no, obviously all these sites have to make money somehow. Otherwise they don't exist. right? So mm-hmm. so that's how Aave and Ave type things work. Sturdy has no uh, APY to borrow. If I go to sturdy.finance, the APY is 0% on, on everything. Well, they only allow you to borrow three things, which is Tether, DAI, and USDC. Yep. However, if I go to the deposit page and I want to deposit Phantom, Spell, Boo, Link, f beats Curve, there's, there's 0% interest on deposits. So unlike Ave and unlike all these other sites, there's 0% interest when I, when I deposit something. However, if I lend them, let's say Phantom, right? They'll mm-hmm. let me take 80% of the, the US dollar value that I lent them on Phantom out as stable coins. And then I can redeposit those same stable coins into the site and get a 15%. APY on them, which is quite high. Yeah. So basically what they're doing is they're going to take your deposits, they're going to farm, they're going to yield farm with them. And that's how they're making their money.
1: Mm. And then they
0: use some of that proceeds from yield farming in order to pay off the stable coin interest, APY, 15%. Oh. So anyway, Sturdy, Sturdy is backed by some very reputable people, Pantera Capital, SoftBank, Y Combinator. So I highly recommend checking them out if... If only because it is a new idea in DeFi, I think. I haven't seen anything like this before. So and they have high APYs on stables. So I mean, you don't even need to. I mean, it's a bear market right now. So so it's kind of rough to deposit a huge amount of Phantom or something and hope <laughs> hope that works out. Obviously, as as the value of your assets you're using as collateral goes down, you, you risk liquidation and Sturdy still has that kind of liquidation and all that stuff. Um, but they have a high APY on stablecoin, so, so you can check that out for sure. Um, but I do want to talk about like why you would want to use these things. And You said you haven't really used them and I think I've talked about this on the show before, but uh, a good way, a good reason to use them is to short assets. Yep. So you could deposit, say, um, if you want to short BTC, you could deposit a stable coin, use that to borrow BTC, mm. take that BTC you borrowed, go to another site, sell it for stable coins, and now you're short BTC, right? So if oh. the value of BTC goes down, you can rebuy the BTC at a lower price, pay off the loan, and then whatever that delta was, you know, that, that short profit, you get to earn, right? And you're not dealing with Binance margin trading or whoever allows you to do shorts. I don't, and if you're a US citizen, I don't even think there are centralized exchanges that allow you to short. So that, so using DeFi, you can have a short position on on whatever. Not financial advice, just explaining my mm. understanding of the concept. <laughs> mm. um, Does the
1: people use that strategy, shorting a Bitcoin or Ethereum?
0: Oh, absolutely. People do that, yeah. Wow, Yeah. didn't you know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Wow. Um, and here I can share another strategy that I have been thinking about and I've actually been utilizing. And And for people who are familiar with DeFi, this stuff is probably obvious to them. So apologies. But if you're a, a kind of a, more of a newbie to DeFi, Kazuwaki and I are, are more technical people, right? We're more software developers. Yeah. We've, we've worked on these platforms and protocols and stuff, but... From an economic standpoint, we're less sophisticated. At least I am. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Kazuaki, I think, is a little bit more so than I am because I remember he's big Mm -hmm. on Uniswap (laughs) back then. But anyway, another thing you can do is, and this is something I've done, not financial advice, but just explaining. I deposited on Granary um, a large amount. Well, I don't know if it's a large amount. A bunch of stable coins. And I used that to borrow... Phantom. Why would I do that? Well, Why? I can the the my deposits on stable coins are about eight percent APY. If I borrow Phantom, I own six percent interest. So right there I already get a delta of two percent yield, right? Mm-hmm. There's liquidation risk. If the value of Phantom goes up, there's there's a potential I could be liquidated, but right now my health factor is very, very safe. I think Phantom would have to go up to like two dollars. To, to, to liquidate me. Um, but then what I can do is I can take that Phantom, I can go over to Beethoven or some other site, and I can deposit that Phantom along with more stable coins in the Phantom USDC pair on Beethoven, and I can earn, what is it at? 23% APR. So... Right now, the best thing I can find for USDC stablecoin is 15%, but I can get closer to 25% or higher. T- today's a down day in the market, so the APRs tend to go lower. I can get a higher APR by borrowing Phantom and the, and and yield farming with the Phantom instead of just yield farming directly with the stable coins. But I'm not long or short on Phantom, right? I still owe the same amount of Phantom Right. that I just deposited onto Beethoven. Now, there is impermanent loss and things. So so over time, the amount of phantom that I own will shift a little bit and I'll have to make that up mm-hmm. when I go pay back the loan. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I'm more effectively yield farming without necessarily taking on additional price risk of having a more volatile asset than a stable coin in terms of owning phantom or whatever mm-hmm. directly. Um, and so I think there's a lot of value there where you can be exposed and take advantage of the more uh the better yield farming opportunities for volatile assets while while still basically retaining a purely stable coin position if that makes sense yeah does that make sense
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very very complex strategy Com- you know, uh, is it to... i don't know if it is
0: i think maybe it's obvious that, i don't know I, don't, I honestly don't know but i feel good about it Obviously mm. the risk there is the, the liquidation risk. Um sure. what I'd really love to do, but I haven't found a site that'll let me do it, is I would love to borrow beats or F beats. Mm. Um because I sold all my beats, <laughs> <Okay>. unfortunately. Um <coughs> with with the little bit of a pump there was the last couple of days, I just I, I decided right. to get out. Yeah. and um but i i love the platform i think beethoven is a cool platform and so i'd love to have the bribes and all the things like that without actually having to own beats and one way to do that would be to borrow beats but i haven't found a site that will let me borrow beats yet so so um i don't know yeah i i would say borrowing volatile assets against your stablecoin deposits with a very healthy Mm -hmm. um liquidation ratio is a way that you can gain some additional exposure rather than just farming your stable coins directly. So this, there's my, uh, there's my DeFi tip for today.
1: <laughs> Very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll play yeah. with it more. If, if any of the listeners out there know of good, good sites to use for this type of strategy. Um, yeah. Let us, know. Yeah, let we us left, know. yeah.
1: We'd like to know that.
0: And then don't get wrecked. And That was not financial advice, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Kazuaki, I just saw you. You put something in the show notes here about a new platform. What is this?
1: Well, like we we talk about like Web three social media, and then yeah. I found this tweet. I think this week, earlier this week, and then there's a new platform called. I click. Yeah, click. Click, yeah.
0: Yeah. In English, then, click is like a group of friends. Right. Basically, yeah. that's what that means. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Well, there, there will be no there are not many followers at this point, but uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. like some people talk about this, and then uh we we like to see more coming up from the
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna look into this more as well, tying back into what we were talking about with Twitter earlier. Mm -hmm. This is a a new project called Click. Their Twitter is click2046. Um, they're posting Garfield memes, so that's a good sign, (laughs) right? (laughs) And they have a Pepe saying "Good morning" on their feed. (laughs) So, take you know, if you like that, then go check them out. If you don't like that, then don't check them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, like, they don't well, have a website or anything yet, right?
1: Yeah, but if, if you go to the Twitter account and then there is a tweet saying, the Web3 social space is filled with over-financialized behavior while lacking incentive for actual social engagement. And then well, that's exactly that's what I was true. talking
0: about. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. That is true. That, that was the yeah. problem with Steemit and, and all those yeah. sites, so... Mm-hmm. mm interesting cool well I'm sure yeah. they'll be happy that we're talking about them yeah because they only have 500 <laughs> followers right now so yeah <laughs> um cool and not a sponsored thing or anything. this is just something that you just found so yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: very cool all right well I think this is our longest episode yet I'm excited all right. um In a minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah anything else you want to Chat about this week, or should we wrap it up? I mean, we're at an hour. I'm feeling good about Uh, that.
1: Yeah, I think we're good.
0: All right. Well, once again, thanks everyone for listening to another episode about something about Web3. We'll be back next week with another episode, and I'll talk about Mark Zuckerberg's NFT nudes or something. I don't know. I don't know what will happen (laughs) next week, but whatever happens, we'll be talking about it. Uh, here on the Something About Web 3 podcast. Um, All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye
1: Bye-bye.